How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. Thanks everybody for tuning in. And it looks like the 49ers have one fewer player than expected heading into the draft, some unforeseen circumstances. And we're going to get into that and who might be replacing that player at cornerback, possibly on the roster or in the draft, and getting into a few other front seven players on defense and some top fives that I have these draft prospects ranked out as of now as we're, you know, almost two and a half weeks here out of draft day. Then later on the week, we're going to continue with this Locked On 49ers slow-moving mock draft and see who some teams like the Saints and the Browns are going to pick here as we head toward the middle of round one. I don't know how close we're going to get to actually finishing a completed round here with this mock draft, but it's a fun exercise to see how teams are are feeling and, and get to know the league a little bit and see where the 49ers might be sitting and who might be on the board where if the 49ers were to move down. And actually, there was an article on CBS Sports about some teams that might be looking to move up, so we'll talk a little bit about that later, too. A couple of mock drafts to get into, and we'll see how uh, the draft media sees the 49ers going with pick two. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. As always, that's where I like to continue the conversation off the air. Uh, you can email me as well, lockedon49ers at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate, review the show. We're streaming on Audio Boom. You can find the stream and links to all that stuff on lockedon49ers.com. We're on tons of other podcast delivery platforms. If we're not on the platform you prefer, please let me know either on Twitter or via email. And of course, if you'd like to be a sponsor to the show, your company could reach passionate football fans, passionate NFL fans. And of course, recent studies have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more likely to interact with sponsors than other forms of media. Get your company right here. Great exposure on Lockdown 49ers. Rates are very reasonable based solely on the numbers of listeners. So you get your value. Email Lockdown49ers at gmail.com. Okay, let's get into that news. And, and pretty major news coming down over the weekend. Actually, on Friday, it came down. Uh, Tremaine Brock. Seems like there's a zero-tolerance policy in Santa Clara right now under this new regime. And Tremaine Brock was arrested for a domestic violence incident and really just almost instantly released. You know, hours after he was released from jail Friday morning, uh, that was the end of that. So, got to believe prospects who have been reported with incidents of domestic violence in their past will not be on the radar for the 49ers in the NFL draft either because... Look, this is this is something that's been a point that both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have pointed out about high character guys, and that's what this team is going to be about. And really, dating back to Jed York and the win with class stuff, uh, I think some of that stuff is really stuck in his craw as well, having a lot of 49ers in the news for the very, very most wrong reasons possible. I don't think Jed York likes it, and I, I'm certain that John Lynch doesn't like these kind of guys. And if, if you're going to screw around, 
you're going to be gone. And, and I think that's pretty clear. And I think it's the proper tone for them to set. And look, Tremaine Brock, you know, he was a starter and he was probably penciled in to be a starter in 2017, but he was on the last year of his deal. I don't know how much this changes, uh, but, but look, zero tolerance policy. I like it. Domestic abusers, no place on this team. I don't want to root for him. So sorry, Tremaine, you know, hopefully he wasn't wrongfully accused of something there, but obviously if, if Lynch and the, and the crew are, are ready to move on with him that quickly, they had to know at least enough about the police report that they were comfortable letting him go almost instantly. So when it comes to players in the draft, this was asked of me on Twitter if I thought that it took uh, Dalvin Cook, D.D. Westbrook, Joe Mixon, players like that uh, out of it for the 49ers. And, and to be honest with you, I thought it did already before this, and I certainly think it does now. Look, especially Joe Mixon, there's videos of him punching a girl in the face. I mean, I, I don't think there's any place for him uh, on the 49ers. And look, I, I think people do deserve second chances sometimes, but you know, it's easier said than done. They can get a second chance somewhere else. You know, I don't think any player is worth taking a chance on with something like that. If you think they, you know, smoke pot a few times, it's like, you know, whatever, who cares? Maybe if they're even an alcoholic, let's get them clean. Let, let's see if we can we can help this young person. But, uh, you know, if they're they're beating their wife or girlfriend, look, just whatever. Uh, you can take a hike. Um, yeah, Dalvin Cook, he's had some stuff in his past. And, and the 49ers brought Dalvin Cook in as one of their 30 official visits in Santa Clara. And according to NFL.com, his alleged incident was, quote, Cook charged with misdemeanor battery for allegedly punching a woman in June of 2015, which led to his suspension from the Seminoles. He was found not guilty of the charge in August of 2015 and was reinstated to the team. So I'm not sure why the 49ers would waste a visit on Dalvin Cook if they already knew he was not going to be on their radar. So maybe they have information around that. You know, he was not found not guilty. I don't know if that makes a difference. I don't know if they have other information. These teams do so much work, uh, but they brought him in to get to know the guy, to talk to him in person. So I don't know if that means he's on the radar, if they were just, you know, doing their homework because he's a first-round prospect. But, yeah, I'd be very surprised if Dalvin Cook, D.D. Westbrook, or Joe Mixon were brought into the 49ers at any point in the draft, even if they started to fall. Now the question is, does losing a likely starting corner push that need way up in the draft? And to be honest with you, I don't think it does. Brock was in the final year of his four-year contract, I don't think he was going to be a long-term fit with this team. He's already 28 years old. Uh, he was 5'10", doesn't really fit that big, long press corner mold that you would expect that they want on the outside in this scheme. And I really think with Jimmy Ward most likely moving to safety, an outside cornerback was already a pretty big need on this roster, and that hasn't changed. So uh, how does the team replace Tremaine Brock? Well, Dante Johnson, uh, he was already... The corner with the most to gain, actually, from this switch to the cover three defense at 6'2". He fits the mold. Long, physical press corner. Has some uh, competition there for playing time in-house. You know, draft picks aside, fellow 2014 draft pick Keith Reeser, who was a Trent Balky ACL special out of Florida Atlantic. You know, just under 5'11", short-armed, but fast. Uh, my bet Johnson, who has some experience at safety as well, would would have the edge there due to his physicality and length at that position. And he really just seems to be a fit. And I think he's someone who might get some run early next year. So the 49ers can find out what they have in Dante Johnson. He was used in a lot of different roles in his career at the 49ers thus far in other coaching staffs. And we may see a veteran free agent brought into this group, you know, either before or after the draft. As for prospects who could fit, I outlined the guys who measured up at least six feet tall and with 32 inch arms 
that were at the Combine. You can check out that podcast episode. It was from March 31st where I, I list them all, which is a lot. I think it was 13 corners that met that criteria, and those were just the guys who were at the Combine. Uh, and if you're wondering why 32-inch arms is the cutoff, and you know, a couple of reasons. First, Seattle, uh, that's the defensive mold. If you're looking at that as you know, cover three defense to be built around, the Pete Carroll to Gus Bradley to now Robert Sala coaching tree, the Seattle Seahawks haven't drafted a corner with arms shorter than 32 inches in the Pete Carroll era. And when looking at the best corners in the league, you know, and that's something that, you know, they all have in common. They all have those long arms, you know, no matter what scheme they're playing in. So, you know, it's not gospel, but take it for what you will. If length and cover skills with the physical demeanor to press guys and, you know, and tackle on the perimeter, if that's what you're looking for in the 2017 draft, Kevin King out of Washington at pick 34 might be your Huckleberry. Gary and Conley from Ohio State, Marlon Humphrey from Alabama. I don't think those guys are likely to get out of the first round. They would be considered, I think, at pick 34 as well. Cordray Tankersley from Clemson definitely fits 6'1 plus. He ran 4'4s at the combine. He's a day two guy, could be round two or three. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, small school, Central Florida player, and maybe the third or fourth round for him. He blazed 4'3'8, I believe, at the combine. He's that six foot, a long armed guy. And uh, But like I said, there are quite a few big corners, so this is a good draft to need one. And you can go back and listen to that podcast where I list all of them. Another favorite of mine who could potentially be a still a raw player is Brian Allen out of Utah. Former wide receiver, has all the athletic ability, 6'3", 215, super long arms, and raw, ran four fours at the combine. He's potentially your day three steal in the in the Richard Sherman mold. Uh, but, you know, it's not just because the guy's tall and you draft him in the fifth round, they're going to become Richard Sherman. But, you know, Sherman, former wide receiver, has all that length and athleticism. So he's someone you take a chance on late and could pay dividends down the road. So that's where we're at with cornerbacks. And Tremaine Brock, uh, he's a replaceable piece. I really don't think it changes much because, look, when you're drafting guys, you're looking two, three, four years down the road anyways. You're not looking at just this next calendar year. Uh, and, and I don't think Tremaine Brock would have been here in 2018, to be honest with you. I don't think he was a fit long-term, and he was in the last year of his contract. But the reason I say they might look at a free agent, you know, whether it's now or, or right before training camp, is because you know you do have to have starters in place, and you can't always draft guys and expect that they're going to walk right in and be a starter. And you really don't know how high you're going to be able to draft players and how the board's going to fall. So you might want to make sure you have players who you, you are comfortable with starting before you head into the draft. And that's really what it's looked like so far in free agency for the 49ers. They're just really finding guys who they're comfortable with starting, not necessarily big time players or big time playmakers or even long-term starters, but they just need some guys that they can play with now while they develop everything else around them and going forward. All right, real quick, I want to look at a couple mock drafts that came down uh, over the weekend. First, Matt Miller. And really, I'm starting to get bored of these mock drafts because they all have Solomon Thomas going to the 49ers at two, both Daniel Jeremiah and Matt Miller. Matt Miller had a two-round mock, so in round one at number two, he went to Solomon Thomas there, defensive lineman from Stanford. And in the second round, Adoree Jackson, super athletic corner out of USC. And and I, I don't like either one of those picks. I've talked about Solomon Thomas. I, I don't see him as a fit as an edge player. Uh, you'd be looking for someone to play Leo there and play opposite of where you're going to have DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. And and to me, Solomon Thomas is another guy that's right inside. I watched more of him on Sunday just because I wanted to I want to like him. I want him to be worth that second pick. And I just don't see the fit. And he's more of an undersized interior guy than he is a big outside guy to me. I mean, he can play on running downs outside and be good. And he's a power player and he and he shows a lot of effort. And I like the person and you know, and I like the player. 
I just don't see him as a number two overall guy, and I don't see him as a perfect fit for where the 49ers are at and what they're looking for. If he was 285 pounds instead of 270 pounds and, and you thought he could be that three technique, then you know maybe you try to trade Eric Armstead and you plug in Solomon Thomas there as a three technique, but he's just he's a little stiff. He's not an edge player, really. He's not going to bend the edge. He's not like Joey Bosa was last year. Joey Bosa could win in so many different ways, and, and even though he ran a great 40 time at the Combine, I don't think Solomon Thomas plays to that 4-6 Four four six nine or whatever it was forty time that he ran. You know he had a great workout and he's powerful and, and he keeps coming. Uh, but he wins inside. He wins with with short bursts and he's not an edge player. I just I don't I don't know where he fits. It's really hard for me to get behind that pick at number two. I like the player. I wouldn't be completely bummed out by it. But he's not my choice for number two. And then when it comes to a Dory Jackson that Matt Miller has here in the second round at pick thirty four for the 49ers, uh, like I said before, the length he just doesn't fit. He's super fast, super explosive. Uh, he can return kicks for you. Uh, he's just not that long press outside corner. You know, he's about 5'10". He's not that guy, so uh, I don't like that pick for the 49ers. I think that's the right range for him to go in in the draft as far as value, just the wrong team. And by the way, he has Kevin King going about you know six spots ahead at, at pick 28 to the Dallas Cowboys. Now let's pop over to Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, which again, boring, has Solomon Thomas there. That's uh, something that we have to get used to seeing. Everyone has Solomon Thomas at pick two to the 49ers. And look, you got to have good players. So if you draft a good player and he hits, you can't be upset by that pick, even though you know he's not my number one choice there uh, for the second pick in the draft. So, uh, But the most interesting thing I found on NFL.com, and I passed over it, this happened last week, and Daniel Jeremiah asked executives. It's, he has an Ask Five segment, and, and his question to five different execs that were unnamed around the league. He asked, how many quarterbacks will go in round one of the 2017 draft? And I was kind of blown away. I mean, everybody seems to have a different opinion of who's the best quarterback. And so I guess it's not that surprising how different these answers were. I thought the guys in the league would have kind of talked to each other and people would have a better idea of, of who they like at quarterback. But every single one of these guys had a different answer. So executive number one said three quarterbacks will go in the first round. He said, Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky will go in some order early and that a team coming back up into the late 20s will take either Patrick Mahomes or Davis Webb. And Davis Webb is getting a lot of pub right now as a possible first-round player because of his size. He's got a good arm, and uh, apparently coaches love him. And he's a super coachable guy, and he's just killing it in interviews, and everyone wants to coach this guy. And so that's surprising because I don't like his tape, and I thought he was a third, fourth-round player on tape. He's you know he's tall, and he, and he can throw it a little bit, and he, he throws a pretty good deep ball. But, man, he misses too many guys, and... And the total package, I just didn't really see it. And I don't know if he's the athletic sort of a guy that the 49ers would be looking for in this scheme under uh, Kyle Shanahan. He likes to do a lot of bootlegs and a lot of action. I don't know if Davis Webb is necessarily that guy. He's more of a uh, Joe Flacco type of player. You know, someone that pushes the ball downfield, big guy. I could see maybe the Arizona Cardinals would be a fit for Davis Webb. But, man, I don't see how they're going to draft him in the first round. So uh, who knows there? But executive number two said four quarterbacks. He said and, you know, the same four that, that everyone has been talking about going in the fourth round or in the first round. Executive number three says only two quarterbacks are going to go, and it's Watson and Davis Webb. So uh, this guy says he's sticking to his guns with, with Davis Webb. He's the second best quarterback in the class, and he doesn't believe the Trubisky and Mahomes buzz. Executive number four says only two quarterbacks going in the first round, Trubisky and Mahomes. So he's just the exact opposite of executive number three. And then executive number five, the last one, says three quarterbacks are going to go in the first round, Watson, Trubisky, and Mahomes. But you know what's interesting is not a single one of them said that Deshaun Kaiser is going to go in the first round, except for one guy who didn't name any names. He said at least four, 
He said, I just think people will trade back in to round one because they're scared of, of missing out on one of their quarterbacks. But he doesn't mention which four quarterbacks he says is going to go in there. He's the only guy that doesn't mention by name. So not one person said the name Deshaun Kaiser of those five executives that Daniel Jeremiah asked the question, how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round? So interesting stuff, and they could all be wrong. Who knows? I don't know how many of those guys uh, actually need quarterbacks on their team and how much of this is just you know a little bit of a smokescreen. I don't, I don't know how you can really – believe a lot of the stuff that comes out and people that are attaching names to it and what team likes what guy. Uh, I don't know. Very interesting. And actually, come to think of it, a few scouts got fired from the Rams. So we're just short of draft day and the Rams just let go of a bunch of scouts. I thought that was kind of odd. And, uh, you know, who knows if teams are going to run out and try to get some information about the Rams draft board from those guys. But uh, usually that's something that I would expect to happen after draft day. All right, so that's a couple of mock drafts. There's probably a whole bunch more mock drafts that are about to get published on Monday. And, of course, all the new schedules are coming out on Monday, at least for preseason games. So we're going to find out who the four preseason opponents are and what weeks those are for the 49ers. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't really care much about that. But it'll be a bit of news that we find out about a little bit here later on on Monday. So before I talk about some of those edge guys I like in my top fives at linebacker and edge rusher, uh, I want to talk about this article that was up on CBSSports.com from R.J. White, and and he names nine teams that could possibly be teams that might want to move up in the NFL draft. And so he starts with pick number nine, actually. Nobody before that he has going up. A lot of the stuff we've seen is from the Panthers, possibly the Jets. Um, but it's interesting, he starts with the Cincinnati Bengals at nine, and he says that, that Jonathan Allen or Solomon Thomas, defensive lineman, would be what they're looked at, looking after in a team that thinks they're close to the playoffs. So that could you know make some sense there for the Cincinnati Bengals. And actually, that goes right along with what Joe Goodberry said in our mock draft. He had them taking John Ross at pick nine, but he said, you know, hey, if someone like Solomon Thomas is starting to fall, I can see the Bengals moving up a little bit and drafting a guy like that. So uh, something to think about there. Cincinnati Bengals, I don't know if they'd go all the way up to two or they'd need someone to fall, but Cincinnati Bengals is one that R.J. White pegs as a possible trade-up candidate in this draft. Uh, Then he goes to the Browns at pick 12. Obviously, you know, quarterback would be their pick if they go Miles Garrett at one. Quarterback makes a lot of sense for them. And if they have the ammo and they like their guy, you know, I can see that. It still makes a lot of sense. And if you're going all the way up to number two, you know, Cleveland Browns to two, it's kind of crazy. Kind of makes a lot of sense. It would be really fun to see the Browns just own this draft and go picks one, two. That would be very interesting, reminiscent of the Redskins who went one and three, I believe it was, a long time ago back in 2000 when the 49ers moved down with them. Washington Redskins is another team, pick number 17. He's talking about quarterback here because of Kirk Cousins. And, you know, hey, the the Washington Redskins stuff is not going to go away. Kirk Cousins stuff is not going to go away until the 49ers draft a quarterback or until Kirk Cousins re-signs with the the Washington Redskins. And, you know, um, it's funny because it would change so much for me the way I'm looking at the 2017 draft. If I really thought that Cousins was a very likely uh, going to be a 49er, you know, if, if there was really something there where it's like, okay, he's going to be a 49er next year, that would change a lot. And I'm sure that that would change a ton for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan going into this thing. If they, they really thought they had cousins kind of locked in next year. So that'll be an interesting thing to monitor. And a trade is still not completely out of the question. And who knows if it's something that they could do like minor pieces for, you know, just to make sure everyone feels good about it. And Cousins moves on, and the 49ers gave something to the Redskins. I don't think it would be a 17-2 to sort of a trade situation, but who knows? Still something to monitor there with Kirk Cousins and the Redskins and the 49ers maybe having some kind of a trade before draft day. Denver Broncos at 20. He has them looking at an offensive lineman, probably not a major trade-up. And, and we start getting into this range 
When you start moving out of the teens and into the 20s for the 49ers, that changes things for me too. I would be asking a ton. I would be asking for everything, multiple, you know, three first round picks and and multiple mid round picks and, and future picks. It's just so expensive to move up. The last time I can remember someone moving up that far was when the Atlanta Falcons moved up from, I believe it was 27. They moved all the way up to number seven to draft Julio Jones. And that was in 2011. And apparently the 49ers were interested in drafting Julio Jones at, at actually they went up to number six and the 49ers were at seven and were possibly going to draft Julio Jones ended up with Alden Smith there in the 2011 draft. So finishing this off, a lot of stuff uh, at the end of the round, actually, they're looking at. So Denver Broncos at 20, New York Giants at 23. Again, looking offensive line, he says. Houston Texans at number 25. Now, this makes a ton of sense now because now we're starting to get into the quarterback zone again with this team. They're obviously, I I doubt they're going to go all the way up to number two, but it makes a lot of sense for a team that might be uh, looking for a quarterback to move up a little bit or thwart other teams because if you are a team like the 49ers at 34, the Browns at 33, maybe the Bears or or Jets or a team that didn't get a quarterback in the first round and there's a few of them still left, you're going to want to get up in front of number 25 to get that quarterback because Houston Texans at this point, no Tony Romo. They got rid of Brock Osweiler. They have Tom Savage right now who's a player that I don't think – you know, I don't think enough of, I don't know how they think of him, but you know, they, I mean, come on, Tom Savage. So they could definitely be looking quarterback at 25. And actually I'd be surprised if one of the top quarterbacks are there that they don't take at 25. So uh, he also highlights the Seattle Seahawks as a team that can move up the Kansas city chiefs. Again, they could be looking for a quarterback of the future. Uh, they could be in the market for some linebackers and some pieces on defense, Dallas Cowboys as well. They need a pass rusher, possibly a cornerback. So that's who he has the Dallas Cowboys possibly looking to get up and make a move for. All right. So not many of those teams really impact the 49ers because I think uh, after pick 12, you know, maybe the Redskins just because of the whole Kirk Cousins things. But, but uh, after 12, I I just think it's probably too far back and too costly for a team to move up and maybe too far for the 49ers to move back and still get one of the elite players they really like in the draft. Okay. Real quick here, before we go get into these top fives, let's start with middle linebacker or weak side linebacker. I kind of have them grouped together because a lot of times they're very similar players. And maybe a guy starts out at the weak side, bulks up a little bit more, you know, gains five to 10 pounds, and then is a middle linebacker a little bit later in his career. So uh middle linebacker, Ruben Foster, number one, that's very easy. He's a beast. If he could stay healthy, I think he's a long-term all pro type of player. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a guy that could run and get guys like Ruben Foster, you might have to go all the way back to Patrick Willis. Number two for me is Jared Davis out of Florida. He ran that 4-5-40 at his pro day. He was hurt for the combine, didn't get to work out there. I really love the way he can run and go get the ball carries. Very similar size to Ruben Foster, sort of a uh, poor man's version of him. If you can't land Ruben at the top of the first round, maybe you can land Jared Davis at the top of the second round. I actually like Davis more than the number three on this list, who is Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham, a little bit longer, more of a high-cut guy. Uh, Cunningham's pretty good at taking on blocks, but he just doesn't go get the ball carrier and doesn't move as quick and and, and isn't as sudden breaking on the ball as Reuben Foster and Jared Davis are. Number four for me is Jared Davis's teammate, Alex Anzalone, from the University of Florida. And if it wasn't for some injury problems, I think he might be uh, you know, a, a little bit higher in mock drafts right now. He's looking like a, a fourth round pick or so, uh, but I li- really like him. He's athletic and he can do a lot as a middle linebacker. He's hurt a lot. So, you know what? My number five on the list, I might actually even end up taking ahead of Alex Anzalone, and that's Blair Brown from the University of Ohio. He's undersized. Well, he's short. He's not necessarily undersized from a weight standpoint. He's 5'11, 238, which is pretty stout for a shorter dude, but he absolutely goes and gets ball carriers. He takes on blocks. He plays big. 
He plays fast. He runs guys down. And you didn't see him in coverage a lot. I don't know how good he is in coverage. He didn't have a bunch of um, plays on the ball. He doesn't have a lot of stats with uh, pass breakups or interceptions or anything like that. But he can flat go get the ball carrier. I could see him being a long-term player and a real steal in this draft uh, round four or five area. And right now in, in mock drafts or in rankings, people have him down in the sixth, seventh round area. I think that's I think just inaccurate. Watching him play, watching his tape, no way he gets past you know round four or five. Blair Brown is really slowly becoming quote unquote my guy in this draft as sort of a mid to late round linebacker. Really like that guy. All right, let's get on to the strong side linebacker. Now, again, strong side linebacker in this scheme, you've seen it used a few different ways. If you look at the Jacksonville defense, look at the Seattle defense, sometimes they have a guy who's a little bit bigger, plays more like an, a 3-4 outside linebacker, someone who sets the edge more, someone who's playing right on the line of scrimmage that's looking a little bit more like a defensive end than a traditional off-ball linebacker. But then at other times, I mean, Malcolm Smith, who was just brought in by the 49ers as a free agent, he played some strong side linebacker as well for Seattle, so... The scheme changes a little bit. I think you kind of need a hybrid there. It's an off-ball guy, but who's stout enough to set the edge. And for me, the number one guy who fits that description in this draft is Hassan Reddick. He's going to be long gone before pick 34. And some people are saying he might actually go before Reuben Foster, but he's number one on my list for the strong side linebacker. He can cover. He can set the edge. He can go run and tackle guys. And so really that's a tough combination to find. He's number one on my list. Uh, Second-ranked strong side linebacker in this draft is TJ Watt. I could see him playing some of the... Leo stuff as a pass rusher, but I think he's just not as stout as a as a defensive end hand on the ground. I think I like him up on his feet playing um, a position that can kind of cover, can read and react and go do a lot of things. T.J. Watt, player that could be there at the top of the second round, and that's kind of a theme here. That's why I was kind of looking at all these and listing these guys. A ton of these players are going to be available for the 49ers at pick 34. That's a real sweet spot to find someone who's a linebacker or an edge rusher in this draft. Number three on the list for strong side linebackers, Tyus Bowser had a really great workout at the Combine. He reminds me a little bit of the guy who played this position for the Seattle Seahawks in the past, Bruce Irvin. So Tyus Bowser is one name to remember there. Could go at the end of the first round. He's getting a lot of buzz right now. Ryan Anderson, you know, he's kind of a boring name because he's been on the radar for so long. And he's looking like he's going to he's drop to the third, fourth round, you know, probably third round range because he didn't work out all the well. He doesn't, you know, he's not a physical freak. He's just a really good football player for Alabama. And that Alabama defense was so good. So many great players on there. But Ryan Anderson, just a solid all-around football player. One of those guys who's a quote-unquote football player, which I hate, but I just said it. Hey, sorry. And uh, number five for me on this list is Ohio State linebacker Raekwon McMillan. Some people like him as a middle linebacker. I think he's got a little bit of length to him. I don't think he's a quick read-and-react type of a linebacker. I like him sort of a little bit closer to the edge. He can cover a little bit. Uh, He can set the edge a little bit. He could probably go after the quarterback a little bit and then also, you know, go go and tackle guys. And the last grouping of guys here is the edge players, the Leo, the elephant position in this defense. And again, you can find all this stuff on Twitter. I posted these top fives here over the weekend. Uh, Number one, obviously, no surprise, Miles Garrett. He's the number one player in this draft. So raw still with all his production and all his physical ability. I can't wait to see what kind of a player he becomes. And um, yeah, it's going to be a fun to watch him play for probably the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Number two on this list for me, you know, and I watched all these guys again because Tim Williams has been falling quite a bit, but there's a reason he was thought of as a top 10 player before this whole postseason process. And man, he can get off the edge like nobody else. He is so quick off the edge that burst. He can get turn the corner. He can get the quarterback. Uh, to me, it's it's all about how good Tim Williams wants to be, and that's the question here. So uh, I'd be surprised if Tim Williams isn't somebody who the 49ers and actually have they they might have already brought Tim Williams in. I can't remember now. I'm getting lost with all the guys they brought in, especially the Alabama players. But Tim Williams is someone the 49ers should bring in. 
someone who they should look in the eye, see if there's someone they can trust, see, see if he's got the work ethic. That's going to be a big thing with him. To think he can be as good as he wants to be, he would be fantastic coming off the edge, going after quarterbacks in this scheme. And I've seen him everywhere from you know mid, late first round all the way to the third round. So I don't know where he's going to go. I know he got dinged for pot a couple times at school, and he's admitted that, and he said he's moved on from it, and it was a mistake. And it sounds like you know if you listen to what he says, it sounds like he's learned from some things. So who knows if he's someone who might end up being a steal because of how good he is at going and getting the quarterback. And he's a pretty athletic guy as well and can do a lot of other things for you. But mostly, you know, hey, it's all about going and getting that quarterback. Number three for me is Derek Barnett. He's a little bit of the opposite of Tim Williams where, you know, he's more of a sound technician. He doesn't get by on just athleticism. And in fact, that's why I think I have him down a little bit on this list. And I don't think he's really going to be somebody that the 49ers are into because I think he's going to go well before 34. Ah, There's a chance he's fallen out of the first round to pick 34 just because a lack of pure athleticism. But he was so productive in college and, you know, he's more of a technician. I think he's sort of a maxed out player. So for that reason, he, he might fall. Uh, but I think he's a very good player, and he'd be a fit right there at that uh, Leo spot. One of my favorite guys in the draft, if Blair Brown is my guy for linebackers, Derek Rivers is my guy, quote-unquote, for edge defenders. And I'd have no problem with taking him at the top of the second round at pick 34. I'd really love to get him at the top of the third round. Derek Rivers from Youngstown State, uh, just a really good player, super productive at Youngstown State. Uh, he held up against higher competition when he was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, He's a very good athlete. He showed up well at the Combine as well, so he checked all the boxes, and now he's starting to climb up draft boards, and he's starting to get a lot of buzz there. I've even seen him at the end of the first round in a couple of mock drafts. And then tied for fifth place, I've got a couple of guys who've a little bit, you know, been on the radar for quite a while. Carl Lawson, who's 6'2", 250. He's he's sort of, Carl Lawson reminds me of the guys who used to play that outside linebacker in Pittsburgh's 3-4. You know the type who's just like bigger, stouter, linebackers, so they kind of played off the ball a little bit. They weren't quite defensive ends where they were lined up with their hand in the dirt a lot. You know, sort of just big, strong, tough, true linebackers that played outside that could also rush the quarterback. I think that's the kind of player Carl Lawson is. He reminds me of those old school Pittsburgh outside linebackers. Jordan Willis, another guy who just worked out so great at the combine, and really I think he's going to get overdrafted possibly because I don't necessarily love him at pick 34, even though I think that's about the range he's going to go in. I could see him going in the first round. He had an awesome workout at the combine, ran in the four sixes and uh, at his size, you know, and he's good and he was productive. He was really productive, actually. But when you watch him play, there's some stiffness to him. Something weird about the way he moves that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And I don't know if if, uh, if it's just me, but man, Jordan Willis makes me a little bit worried because I think he might get overdrafted just because of, you know, his, his production was good and his workouts were great. And I think that makes for a high draft pick. And uh, I don't know if his movement skills are really as good as his workouts uh, would lead you to believe. All right, that's enough for me today. There's my top five edge guys, my top five strong side linebackers, and my top five middle linebackers right now. And uh, I'm sure some of those will change a little bit before draft day, but I, I did a lot more film watching, and I wanted to kind of lock those in and kind of know where I was looking at my my groupings here for my top fives and, and specific positions as we head forward, and we'll have some more of those coming up on Locked On 49ers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Keep the conversation going over there. Email LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. iTunes, subscribe, rate, review the show. LockedOn49ers.com has the stream and links to all that other stuff. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. We're going to have the New Orleans Saints pick in our slow-moving mock draft. Roy Anderson, who is the host for Locked On Saints, is going to join me. And we're going to have that selection. And have Nick back on the show. Not on Wednesday. It's not going to be a winky Wednesday. I think I'm going to try to have uh, Matt Barrows maybe on the show for you on Wednesday. 
And uh, Nick has got Nick is busy midweek. I think this is anniversary, maybe. So happy anniversary, Nick. And Nick's going to come on Thursday or Friday on the show. And so we'll talk to you then on Locked On 49ers. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.